He's the co-host of Locked On Bengals and Locked On NFL on Wednesdays and the founder and publisher of All Bengals and All Bearcats, the latter of which I'm proud to call myself a colleague of his and here with his thoughts on this week's Week 1 matchup between the Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers is none other than James Repeat. James, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me, Alex. How are you? James, I'm doing really well. Uh, this is a really fun time of the year, especially when you have two great football pr- teams in Cincinnati. The Bearcats coming off a college football playoff appearance last year and a tough battle with Arkansas last Saturday. And then you have the Bengals defending their AFC championship. That starts on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you could put a finger, James, on the excitement and the anticipation, how palpable is it heading into this season? Oh, man, it's as excited as I've seen Bengals fans ever. That includes after the 05 season when they broke the playoff uh, drought of, of qualifying for the playoffs and won the division, and that was such a fun team. They finished 11-5, and five. and I think Palmer's injury had something to do with that. But, yeah, overall, I, I just I think – it's sort of the opposite. I'll tie it into UC. UC last year, not that Luke Fickle's run is over by any means. I was actually really impressed with how they played with being such a young team against Arkansas on the road, their first game this year. But they're kind of rebooting a little bit, right, and getting some new faces in there. And you got some kinks to work out with Ben Bryan, and we've seen that. Well, this Bengals team, it's kind of the opposite. It's like they – they arrived earlier than expected, made Super Bowl 56. They're the defending AFC champions, but no one expected them to make that leap last year. This was kind of the year, year three of Joe Burrow, year two of Jamar Chase. The offensive line is better where you, you looked at it and said, okay, they can make a playoff run. And so the fact that they're coming off of a Super Bowl run and you look, they don't have many weaknesses. I think people are really, really excited, about as excited as I've ever seen them. Okay, so you mentioned that the Bengals arrived a year early last year. I think we can all agree on that. So as far as this season, because I want to know from you, I thought about this, and a lot of people have as well. What does a successful season look like for the Bengals, James? Do they have to get back to the Super Bowl, or is it as long as they win the division, which is very winnable, the AFC North, and maybe win that first playoff game? Because I know – if they don't win that first playoff game, there are going to be fans who say, oh, well, here goes another 31 years. So, you know, <laughs> James, what does a successful season look like for the 2022 Bengals? I, I think you're right about playoffs for sure. That's the expectation. Uh, winning the division, I think, is a fair expectation. And really, Alex, what I, I think is when we get to November, December, we need to – be realistically saying, yeah, the Bengals are one of the Super Bowl contenders, right? It's the Rams and the Bucks and the NFC, and it's the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals in the AFC. And I'm not sure if it'll be those teams, but the Bengals need to be mentioned in that contending class to where if they do make that Super Bowl run, no one's that surprised like they were last year. No one should be surprised if they win a divisional round matchup on the road like they did against Tennessee. If they have to go into Arrowhead again this year, it shouldn't be necessarily a shock. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Now, is there a scenario where, um, you know, it it feels a little disappointing even though they do all of those things and, and come up short of the Super Bowl? Sure. But it's really, really hard to win 
three games or two games, depending on if you get that buy or not, and and make the 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 Super Bowl and make another Super Bowl run. Ask Patrick Mahomes, ask Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. It's really, really hard to do. And so that's what was so special about last year. I think they're talented enough to do it, but to expect Super Bowl, so many things have to bounce your way in the postseason. What I expect is a team that is one of the the best in the NFL and is right there being mentioned with the Super Bowl contenders by the end of the season. And then it's postseason time. You never know how the ball is going to bounce, but I certainly expect them to be in the conversation. Yeah, I, I've been of the essence, and Joe Burrow said this last year when he was mic'd up on the sidelines in week seven at Baltimore. He said that if the Bengals won the AFC North, they could win the whole thing, and they came pretty close to doing so, as we both know. So I've, I've thought, okay, if they win the division, it's a matter of who they get in the first round because the AFC, James, is ridiculously strong this year. I mean, you have I, – I mean, in my predictions, I have like – four, five teams finishing 11 and six. And some of those teams don't even make the playoffs. Like I had the Steelers and Ravens both winning 10 plus games and then missing the playoffs. So if the Bengals are able to get back to the playoffs with the division title and win that playoff game, I think we could say that that might be more impressive than what they did last year. Is that too far-fetched of a statement, James? Potentially, yes. It depends, right? The context matters. And so without having that, in January, we're not sure. But, I mean, the run that they went on was so impressive. Uh, Joe Burrow gets his head kicked in in Tennessee and finds a way. They snap the the streak against the Raiders at home, which there was pressure going into that, but it certainly didn't feel that way. And then you're down 21-3 to on the road, and guess what? You don't blink. Samaj Piran makes a big play. Eli Apple makes a big play. And then in the second half, it's a bunch of guys. Chase, Trent Taylor. Burrow obviously was magnificent in that game. B.J. Hill with the interception. Like, it was just such a complete team run to, to Super Bowl 56 that, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's such a special run. It's going to be hard to duplicate it in general. And so, yeah, it, as competitive as the AFC is, I I would stop short of, at least on paper, again, the context will matter, if they won one playoff game, that being more impressive than making it all the way to Super Bowl 56. Now, could I change my mind? I guess so. And you're right. The conference is, it's loaded. And that's the fun part is I think the Bengals are better, but I think a lot of teams are better. And it's going to be fun to see how they stack up in this conference. You know, lost in all of um, the Bengals, when we talk about them, obviously we talk about Joe Burrow first and foremost. We talk about Jamar Chase. We talk about the receiving triplets of Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. We talk about Joe Mixon and you know, the offensive line being concerned number one with this team. But James, I think what stood out to me last year was in the first three playoff games, the Bengals defense allowed Mm. fewer than 20 points per game and forced seven turnovers. So my question to you is, can this defense that's returning 10 of 11 starters, the only one they're not returning is Larry Okunjobi. We'll see him on Sunday though with in Pittsburgh. Um, do you think this defense can be just as good as last year, especially as they were in the postseason? I actually think they can be better, Alex. And it, I'm glad you brought up the defense because it goes under the radar. We talked Joe Burrow. We talked Jamar Chase. You, you mentioned it, the triplets. It's easy to talk about Joe Mixon or the offensive line and all of these things. But that defense, you're right. They lost Larry Ogunjobi. 
They also gained Joseph Osai. They also gained uh, Zach Carter. They also gained a, a secondary depth, which I think they needed. Right, adding Dax Hill gives them another versatile chess piece. Akeem Davis Gaither is healthy and had a great training camp, and I expect him to be used uh, in in a little kind of a hybrid way, a little chess piece way as well. They have guys, and the thing is, is the the weak link. People would say I think would be Eli Apple. I thought he was great in training camp. I thought he played really well. He was competitive with two of the best receivers in the game, in in Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Didn't go up against Boyd as much in the slot. But there really aren't any weaknesses. You look at all three levels of the Bengals' defense. You could say three-tech without Larry Ogunjobi, but I think you have Joseph Osai. You'll be able to kick Sam Hubbard inside at times. I think Zach Carter's ready to, to man a role as well. They went after uh, Jay Tufele and, and got him uh, via waivers last week, and I think he might be active this week uh, after he was released so, uh, by the Jaguars, fourth rounder from 2021. They got guys. They got depth. And I, I think that all three levels of their defense, you have talent. Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt in the middle. We know about the secondary with Chido Bayouzier, who I think is one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the NFL. Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Mike Hilton. I mentioned Eli. And a guy in Trey Hendrickson, who was dominant throughout camp, was great against the Rams during those joint practices, was really, really good, gave Jonah Williams all he could handle. Um, for for most of camp as well in practice, I think this defense could be really really good, and I expect them to put the clamps on on Sunday and and make it really tough on Mitch Trubisky, Najee Harris, and that Steelers offense. So there is a debate, James, and I read this yesterday on Bengals.com. Our colleague Jeff Butch Hobson um, wrote about this. The Bengals decided they were going to rest their starters in the preseason. That was something I was all in favor of. Um, Mm -hmm. The Steelers decided to play their starters. TJ Watt, you know, escaped um, however, whatever you want to call it. He tweaked his knee in the preseason finale. He's good to go, though, for this Sunday, as far as I'm, as far as I know, as far as you know, and we know. So, let me ask you this. Do you worry about the Bengals not having played their starters since the Super Bowl? And your first game is against a very physical Steelers team. And I want to ask you in particular about Lyle Collins. And here's mm-hmm. a guy who battled a back injury throughout training camp. And now his first assignment is going to be to block the reign defensive player of the year in TJ mm-hmm. Watt. How concerned are you? about that and about the Bengals starters taking the field for the first time against the physical Pittsburgh Steelers? I'll start with Collins because, yeah, if there's a matchup of the game, it isn't Minka Fitzpatrick in the Steelers secondary versus Chase. It isn't, you know, Joe Burrow versus the Steelers defense as a whole uh, or Trey Hendrickson in, in, in the Bengals' pass rush versus the Steelers' offensive line. It's that. It's Lyle Collins, T.J. Watt. Can Collins – you're not going to just shut down T.J. Watt. It's just unrealistic. But is he good to go, and is he ready to be the guy that the Bengals thought they were getting when they signed him in March? We've only seen him for two joint practices. The coaching staff has said they think he'll be ready to go, and so that's a tough ask. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because honestly, right tackle was not an issue for the Bengals for most of last season. Riley Reef was solid through, through 10 plus games. He gets hurt. 
And it was like, oh my goodness, it was it was a revolving door. You could not trust that right tackle spot, and it cost them in the Super Bowl, and it really hurt them throughout the postseason. So can Collins be what Reef was, and then some? And I think part of what Zach Taylor might have to do, and this does isn't just a Collins thing. This is a starters not playing together much on that offensive line, and they haven't played a, a real snap together, obviously, in, in the preseason. Get the run game going early. I imagine we'll see a lot of too high safety looks anyways from the Steelers to try to take away the deep balls to Chase and Higgins. Okay, that's fine. So if they do that, run with Joe Mixon. Get Lyle Collins going downhill. Get Alex Kappa and, and Ted Karras. And, and those guys practice together a lot. But Collins, you're right, he didn't. And Cordell Volson, there's a question mark there as well, even though he played a lot in the preseason just because he's a fourth-round rookie. So – I'm not really concerned about a lot of the skill players or the defense or anything like that. But yeah, that offensive line, those guys haven't worked together. The defense has worked together. Higgins, Chase, Boyd, they all have a rapport with Burrow. The only one that really doesn't is Hayden Hurst, and I think he'll be just fine. But there is some question marks along that offensive line, especially when you have a TJ Watt and a Cam Hayward and a really good Steelers uh, defensive front, uh, Alonzo Highsmith. I mean, they got some dudes up front and that front seven's really talented. So it's going to be interesting to see how that Bengals line holds up after the offseason additions, given the fact that they haven't played together in a real game. In two games last year against the Steelers, Joe Mixon in week three, 90 yards rushing in week 12, in which the Bengals blew out Pittsburgh 41 to 10. He had 165 yards. James, I think you can say that that game, if it wasn't week three, it was certainly week 12 in Cincinnati, but the rivalry shifted between the Bengals and Steelers. What is your primary reason? Because there are a lot of them that the rivalry has shifted, but what's your primary reason why the Bengals may now have, with three straight victories, the upper hand in the rivalry with the Steelers? Number nine, Joe Burrow. Um, Look, the way he carries himself uh, ahead of Steelers week is the same way he carries himself ahead of Falcons week is the same way he carries himself ahead of a a divisional round matchup on the road against the Titans or an AFC title game. And I could go on and on and on. He is just this competitive, calm, I'm all in on football and it's, that's it. And so when you have someone setting the tone like that, that's contagious. It's infectious. He doesn't get, he doesn't clench up when it's Steelers week, right? That, that's just, that's not him. And they beat him when he was a rookie and, and he didn't get to face him that second time. I know he wanted to, and it wasn't necessarily his fault, even though they did a lot of things to, to get the better of him. But yeah, I, I think that that's where it changes when you get someone like Joe Burrow. And of course, Jamar Chase helps and I could go on the defense and I could go up and down the roster. But when you have someone like that, it just changes everything. It changes the way, I mean, because they couldn't block Pittsburgh last year. They, they could. And, yeah, they didn't give up a sack in that first matchup against the Steelers in week three. T.J. Watt also didn't play, so there's one thing. The other one was Burrow was under pressure a lot, and they had to lean on the run game. And that's the thing is it's not like Burrow had a bunch of turnovers against a really good defense that was hitting him. So he's not flappable. He's unflappable, and he's uh, carries himself a certain way. And I think when you have someone leading the charge like that, 
that uh, it changes things. It, it, it has shifted, no doubt has shifted the uh, pendulum a little bit when it comes to this Bengals-Steelers rivalry. Obviously, talent helps. I just kind of talked about intangibles. But I think those intangibles matter too, especially going into last year when they hadn't proved it yet. Now it's a little different. I think a lot of guys in that locker room are confident. But before they had taken it to the Steelers twice, there was probably some questions. But you look up now and they're they're looking to win their fourth straight game against Pittsburgh. Speaking of number nine, James, is he 100% or pretty close to it heading into Sunday season opener? Yeah, I would say he's pretty close. We're going to hear from him. Uh, you know, this week, and, and we'll see what he says. I would say he's pretty close. I think he's going to tell us he's 100%. He has no choice now. It's game week, right? But he looks good in practice. He's thrown it accurately, and he's looked really good, really, since returning from that appendectomy. So I don't really anticipate any limitations for him. Uh, it is going to be interesting to see what he says. I think he's going to say he's he's back to 100%, though. What are your expectations coming into year two for Jamar Chase? Because you said you said on Locked On NFL earlier this offseason that you have him as your offensive player of the year. I mean, and there's three things he has said this offseason, James, that stand out to me. Number one, he said that last year he was just kind of out there running routes. Number two, mm-hmm. he's more comfortable now with the offense. Number three, he's more motivated this year than he was last year. Okay, well, last year he still had 81 catches, 1,455 yards, and 13 touchdowns. I mean, what could he possibly do in year two to top that, James? 2,000 yards is, I think, what he's thinking. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I think the 81 catches is going to go up. I think his targets are going to go up. And part of that is the Bengals are going to have to get a little more creative with how they use him. And he's had a great camp. I mean, there have been times where he just looks superhuman and flash that ability. And I think part of that has to do with the route running, has to do with the, the comfort in the scheme now and, and just not thinking at all. And he was dominant last year and had some big games, but there was, there was a lull there midseason, and he snapped out of it and obviously posted huge record-setting numbers. But it would not shock me one bit if he exceeds those, really all of them. Now, the touchdowns, it can be tough. You know, he had 13 touchdowns, but 1,455 yards – wouldn't shock me if he topped that. Wouldn't shock me if he had well over 81 receptions. I'm thinking 90, maybe even triple digits reception-wise. Because the Bengals, they're going to try to get the ball in his hands in a bunch of different ways. And they're not going to be all go routes, even though there will be plenty of those. So I think Jamar Chase is even better. He's 22. He's special. And uh, it's, it's going to be quite, quite interesting to watch him this year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially because he's going to be facing more double teams. But I've watched him in camp. Double teams don't mean he's covered. He's made catches, contested catches with Chidobe Awuzie on his hip or Eli Apple all over him. So Jamar Chase is is special. He's different, and I expect him to have a huge year. What is your score prediction for this game on Sunday, James? Oh, I I mean, I haven't given it yet. I haven't really thought about a score. You know, I I think I'm going to pick the Bengals to win. It's going to be tougher than I think people anticipate early. You know, the line, I think the betting line, uh, six and a half uh, is what I saw in bet online. So to me, I probably think that the Bengals cover, but that one's tough. You know, I, could, could it be 20, 24, 20? I could see that. Or 27, 21. I could see that. I just think this Bengals defense is going to be able to force some turnovers, get after Mitch Trubisky, probably take away any of the deep stuff. 
to the George Pickenses of the world, if Deontay Johnson plays, Chase Claypool. So if they take away the big plays and they limit Najee Harris on the ground, they should be able to get after Trubisky. And then on the flip side, I just think this offense, it may take them a little time to get in sync, but this offense is so talented. I don't really see them not topping 24 points plus. So I expect the Bengals. I'll say the Bengals by a touchdown. That's how I'm leaning now on Wednesday morning as we record this. All right. So obviously um, we're talking to a Bearcats audience and you're the founder and publisher of all Bearcats, which um, yours truly Russ Heldman and you write for. Um, can the Bearcats James win out after losing to Arkansas last week? Yeah. Yeah, they can. I, I think honestly, I my biggest takeaway from Arkansas was that that game was Dang, they just let one get away. I mean, I thought they played great as a team. They saw the talent, defense flashing, Corey Kiner as advertised, which weren't sure, but you wanted to see it, right? You wanted to see what these young guys would, especially on defense, how they would respond. And it's on the road, responded well. You get down early, you respond to that, and you keep plugging away and coming back and coming back and coming back. They didn't get down after the interception. They didn't get down after, you know, back-to-back missed field goals, which really hurt momentum. Um, you know, Ben Bryant missed some throws early. I thought he was better in the second half. I was impressed because a young team going on the road makes those mistakes. A lot of teams get their head blown off and get blown out of the building. They didn't get blown out of the building, and they hung in there. And it feels like one that got away because there were obvious – obvious mistakes that if you just take a cut the interception away you take a couple missed field goals away which shouldn't have happened anyway uh you know the missed touchdown throw that bryant had in the first half you, you flip it they may have had the lead at, at halftime they may have you know been able to to win that game soundly so wouldn't be shocked at all if luke fickle squad runs the table and um yeah i was i was impressed with them overall and i know i'm being a little optim over op, overly optimistic but i think a lot of people here in cincinnati sort of said, yeah, that feels like a loss. You got the question marks at quarterback and all of those things. And even though it's still a question mark, and even though Ben Bryant didn't play amazing, they still had a shot and they were right there. And there was a couple times where I thought that they might tie that thing up, uh, you know, late in the fourth and the defense just couldn't get one more stop, which is what happens when you lean on them as much as they did in the first three and a half quarters. Yeah, I came away from that, James, thinking that I'm really encouraged because you mentioned all the questions going in, and you look at the stat sheet from the game, a lot of stats are very similar. Cincinnati ran three more plays than Arkansas. Cincinnati had only 11 fewer total yards. Time of possession was pretty even. Both teams were 8 for 16 on third down. It's just the penalties at the worst times possible in that game. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned just, you know, coming back from a lackluster first half where there were so many missed opportunities and making it a game and giving yourself a chance to tie, you know, maybe win the game. So, and as far as, you know, being overly optimistic at winning out, James, I think what I think about is this program has a winning culture. This program has a winning culture. And until someone knocks them off in the AAC, a conference that Cincinnati has not lost a game in since 2019, I just think that 11 of one sounds about right. And they should be hosting the AAC championship game as a result. Yeah. And the, it, who could complain about that? Right. You know, I mean, if you, you get to double digit wins again and you're hosting conference championship game, 
It's exactly where you want to be. I, I do think it's one of those things. I, I want to see a little more from Brian. I want to see him hit those open guys because it really doesn't matter. I mean, they were open. And so it doesn't matter who you're playing. If if those guys are open, make sure you're making the throws. And so, yeah, they left a couple big plays out there. I was impressed with the skill players as a whole, though. I, I And, I, I, you know, the other thing, I, I was wondering how they would deal with Arkansas's size. And I thought they did a good job. And it wasn't like they were overwhelmed or outmatched physically, which is a, a big part of going up against SEC opponents. So, yeah, 11-1, and one, sign me up. That would be a successful run again in their final year in this conference. The only three sacks allowed. They sacked KJ Jefferson twice. Ivan Pace Jr. looked every bit as advertised. And uh, the, the Bearcats may be out of the top 25 now, but I think they'll be back very, very soon. James Rapine from Locked On Bengals. Don't forget to follow him on Twitter at James Rapine. He's also, of course, the founder and publisher of All Bengals and All Bearcats. You can catch his Cincinnati Bengals Talk YouTube channel. I mean, he does a lot. I mean, I, <laughs> I struggle every time you mention all that you do, James, to keep up with it. So, uh, uh, major credit to you. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, look forward to talking to you next week as the Bengals hopefully will be a 1-0 team heading to Jerry World to take on the Cowboys. Yeah, Alex, I, I appreciate you having me. I'm glad the podcast is going well. It's good to see you uh, covering, covering the Bearcats for all Bearcats and right here on Locked on Bearcats. So thanks for having me, man. I enjoyed it. That's James Rapine from Locked on Bengals. Coming up, we cross over into Pittsburgh and talk with Lockdown Steelers host Chris Carter after a word from two of our sponsors. 